In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. My name is Beth Laurie, and I'm so glad to be with you today. Today, we're going to talk about discipleship and technology, and I have two wonderful guests with me. I have father and son team, Chuck and Luke McElroy. Chuck has been with us before. He's a disciple maker, and back in June of 2019, Mark interviewed Chuck. Please go back on your podcast uh, app or your list and make sure you listen to that episode. It's great to hear Chuck's story, how he came to Christ, how he became a disciple maker, and his passion for the next generation. And in that next generation is his son, Luke. And Luke has an amazing story and a ministry of how he's serving God in his kingdom. Welcome, Chuck and Luke. We're so glad to have you with us today. Hi, Beth. Hey, Beth. It's such an honor to be here. Luke, we would love for you to share just a little bit of your faith story, how you came to Christ, and uh, and what made you do this ministry that you're leading. Yeah, I actually um, <clears throat> am sort of proud to be able to say that it was uh, my journey to Christ was in large part due to the ministry of Mount Pisgah. Um, growing up as a McElroy, um, I've always been around faith. I've always been aware of God. I think that's one of the greatest blessings that God gave me was two parents who not only model Jesus very well to me, but made Jesus and the conversation about faith and God uh, not a sort of uh, peripheral conversation, but a very primary conversation in our family and in dinner conversations. And so going to church uh, was a pretty regular piece. And so my personal um, you know, journey towards Christ really happened in youth group. I argue that there are two moments in every faith walk. There's a day you quote unquote, fill out the card and there's a day that it becomes real. And um, both of those happened uh, in the context of youth ministry at Mount Pisgah. Um, I remember more specifically the day that it became real. I was actually at a youth camp um, or beach camp with the youth ministry and in a service, I just remember point blank, just feeling this incredible sense of intimacy and connection with Jesus in the middle of worship. And I think there's probably a connection, Beth, to the fact that God met me so transparently and powerfully in a worship service that I think is oftentimes um, a part of the passion that I have to leverage technology, creativity, and atmospheres and environments to help others experience that same encounter. But uh, yeah, it happened. in the beach in Panama city beach. Cause you know, that's just where God hangs out. And so uh, I got a chance to meet him. And then that's, I feel like when it got real served, uh, started learning what serving means, getting involved in Bible studies. Um, and I think that was when it wasn't just religion or checking the box, but it actually was relationship at that point. What's funny is again, all this goes back to some of my early days uh, in what the ministry was at the time called Newtown. But um, there was a, a woman who served um, as a volunteer. Her name was Sarah Beth Holiday, has made a tremendous impact in my life. Um, interestingly enough, she and her husband are now here in Nashville, Tennessee, which is where I call home. And so it's kind of fun that I get to see her every once in a while. But she turned to me one Sunday morning and said, Luke, what do you want to do with your life? And I looked up and I, I saw a band playing on the stage. I think we were rehearsing. I was volunteering in the lighting AV area of our Sunday youth services. 
And I just said, Sarah Beth, I think I want to do something in live events, maybe production, maybe technology. I don't know. And she said, you need to meet a friend of mine. She ended up introducing me to a friend of hers who was the manager of Third Day Christian Band. And I basically say the rest is history. That caused me to start a series of um, sort of steps that would eventually land me to go to Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. And even though I came to Nashville thinking I was going to serve in the Christian music industry or country music industry as like an artist manager and help sort of shepherd someone else's career in the events industry, uh, the Lord opened up a whole bunch of different opportunities for me. In fact, um, while at school, he opened up a bunch of doors for me to start my own production company. And so we, uh, I started 12 years ago in October, um, a company called Orange Thread Live Events. And we provide audio, video, technological services, everything from um, projection, LED walls, cameras, to lighting systems, audio reinforcement for mostly corporate events, conferences, retreats, seminars, uh, as well as faith-based stuff. And in that process of starting that company, um, God took me through a journey. And I won't bore all the details uh, of that entire journey, but it was a journey to say the least of me thinking that God was calling me to start a youth camp. And in the process, he helped me understand that's not what he had for my life. He had for me to start a conference, a ministry specifically centered around the idea of how do we gather those who serve in the creative and technical areas of the church, the local church, you know, those who are behind a audio console on Sunday morning, or those who serve in the creative department and build social media or utilize technology to help connect the body of the local church. And so um, eight years ago, we started the very first, what we call SALT conference. And um, it's pretty incredible to see what um, breath God put into our wings and opened up doors of opportunity as we've been able to minister to those who serve day in, day out in technical, creative communication ministries all across the globe, honestly, to try and use technology and creativity to help their local communities experience Christ in as real ways as physically possible. Wow. That's so neat. that And, it, and neat to hear God's fingerprint and how that unfolded. Um, Chuck, as as the dad watching this and I, being part of it, I'm sure, in your own ways, how would you reflect on how those years sort of transformed in front of you? <laughs> well, it's interesting because I go even further back and I can tell you that when Luke was a, a very young toddler, he always displayed this incredible curiosity about how things work. And if he saw a machine or something that, especially if it had lights on it, uh, he wanted to push it and, and examine it and... Um, and as a parent, for those of those people that are listening that have young children, that can sometimes become a bit of a challenge. And how do you rein that in? And yet he was constantly wanting to push the envelope. Uh, I remember a time when uh, we were at Mount Pisgah and um, I was actually leading a youth play, musical play, uh, that our older son, Luke's older brother, Matt, was going to perform in the play. And Luke wanted to tag along. And the guy that was doing the sound and light for it um, kind of took Luke under his wing. Luke said, uh, hey, how does this work or whatever? He was probably, I don't know, Luke, you're probably fourth or fifth grade. I don't know. He was elementary school. And the guy came to me. He was a, he was just a, um, a youth person at the church, said, I'd like Luke to help me out in the sound and light. And I said, oh, you, you, don't, know what you're, you don't know what you're asking. You're going to have lights going off at times. You don't want them to go off. You're going to have microphones that, that don't come on, whatever. Luke's going to be examining every button. Well, he said, let me, let me give him a shot. And we went through the musical. It all went great. 
And Luke did a phenomenal job. And I, and I went up to him and I thanked him afterwards and said, I just want to thank you. I have to say I'm a bit surprised and impressed. And he said, Luke is an awesome young man. He said, let me just tell you something. Sometimes it takes an adult other than your mom and dad to say, I believe in you for you to step up and believe in yourself. So he demonstrated a lot of this very, very early in life. And um, it's just been fun to watch. And, and the SALT conference that he's, he's talking about has been such a powerful impact in the community that he serves, the people that, that really are out there helping others to worship. And I just think it's just really, I've had the opportunity to uh, participate in all the SALT conferences that he's had. Um, and, and he might not say this, and I'm going to, is that um, he, he's written a, a few books, um, many of them about technology, but one he wrote was called uh, Discovering Your Creative Potential. And it tells a lot more about his testimony and how he got to where he is. And uh, it's really a book, I think, that would reach people of any kind of background, but especially for people, like he said, in the creative or technical side of of worship, uh, would really get a lot out of it. So anyway, it's kind of fun to hear him tell his side. Uh, I have a lot more stories I could tell, and I'm sure he does too, but um, we know- He probably has a lot more stories I don't want him to tell either, (laughs) (laughs) Beth. He has stories probably about me I wouldn't want him to tell. So we may just- I don't know. We'll just see who throws the first punch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me let me see if I got this right. So, so a a tech person at the church uh, saw Luke's potential, saw his interest, saw his curiosity. I love that word. Curiosity leads us to so many great things. And um, now, all these years later, Luke is serving the people who also the person who who helped him find uh, his gifts and talents and ways to serve the Lord. He's now serving those same people back. Uh, isn't that the way God works? He's just, <laughs> he makes these beautiful I got to tell another real quick one. That is that, you know, when Luke turned as a teenager, uh, most of my friends, kids that were teenagers, you know, were asking for, uh, I don't know, rollerblades or um, video games or whatever. Luke wanted for presents park cans. And I didn't know what a park can was. My name is, I may not even be pronouncing it right, Luke, but these are these big canister lights that he wanted to establish in the basement so that when he built a little theater type stage platform, he'd have the lights ready to do that. And and I thought, you know, what what kid does that? And then our neighbors started saying, oh, by the way, our daughter's having a birthday party and Luke's uh, offered to be the the disc jockey for it. Is that okay if we hire him? He wasn't even 16. And so he's always shown this entrepreneurial, um, a creative side and into production from a very, very early age. And so he just followed where God's letting. Wow. <laughs> he just, he was given those gifts by the Lord and it started uh, bubbling up. I love that. Hey, would you tell us a little bit more about the SALT conference just so that people understand what that is? We've mentioned it a couple of times. Yeah. So <clears throat> essentially um, what we realized was there's a, there's a whole community of people who work in the local church. Um, specifically, I'm talking about the production teams that serve on Sunday mornings, those who run audio, lighting, video, um, the creative teams of the local church, whether that be filmmakers, graphic designers, web, uh, website managers, uh, it could be social media teams, it could even be uh, worship teams. But um, <clears throat> everybody who serves in one of those creative or technical areas of the church, one of the things that um, we've realized is Oftentimes, they are filling a service need, if you will. They are um, they're actually doing something on behalf of the church that uh, helps execute the mission and vision of the local church. And it's typically a, a creative um, or technical sort of engineering. It's, it's almost like they're an internal service provider to the local church. And one of the things that we've sort of come and the passion that I think God's grown uh, within me 
and nurtured through, as, as you can hear, Beth, my story of being impacted by a technical minister and then being able to sort of try and pour back is that I've come to the realization that technology and creativity in the local church doesn't just need to be a service offering for the Sunday service or to get people into the building, but it actually can be a ministry. And so what SALT Conference does is tries to gather all of those people who serve in those areas. So if you serve in creative or technical ministries in the church, whether you're a volunteer or a staff member, um, our heartbeat is to try and just gather you and allow you to um, have an encounter with Jesus that helps you understand your creative calling in the world and helps you understand how technology, creativity, um, all those things can become vehicles, or as we say, conduits to help get you to the presence of God. Um, too often, I think in the local church, um, we, we try and use what I call corner creativity. And that's this sort of idea of like the attractionist model, where we may try and do something uh, using creativity or technology that's kind of a look at me, look at me. And, and then once they get to us on a Sunday morning, we have to do this sort of hard 90 degree right turn and say, hey, but here, let me introduce you to my friend Jesus. And I think that the Bible actually lays out um, not just the fact that creativity is the fifth word in the Bible, the very first characteristic we see, and it's, uh, it's represented in 60 of the 66 books, I, not just that it's a core piece, but I think that the Bible really lays out the fact that creativity really should be a conduit to get people to the presence of God, that it should actually be a vehicle that the Holy Spirit can use. Uh, we say at SALT that art is the language of the invisible. And I think that there is a way that creativity and technology can actually cut through cultural noise. I think that it can actually transcend human word and uh, spoken thought and written language to actually communicate in the way that the Holy Spirit can to people in a very intimate way. And if used effectively, it can, it can actually connect people with the very characteristic of God that is creative, that made this whole world and each of us in it. And people can have an encounter with them through the vehicle of creativity and technology. Um, and I'll say this, because I, I want to I put a big cursor to this. Uh, one of the reasons that the name of SALT is SALT, in fact, my dad has uh, laughed with me about this. He always wants to know if it's an acronym. Uh, he, he asked me once, he said, Luke, does SALT stand for sound and light team? I said, dad, oh my gosh, if I had to actually uh, say that that was our vision, then this would be the most uncreative creative conference that's ever been in existence. Um, <laughs> But it's actually a picture, and it's a picture because um, one of the things that's interesting about technology, and we may get into it today, is this idea that there's a balance to it. It can be the conduit. It can be the vehicle that God uses to connect people to his presence, but it also can be the distraction from his presence. And salt is a picture of the role creativity and technology can play in the gospel because technology cannot be the meat. It cannot even be the side dish. It has to be a flavoring agent. It has to be a seasoning with the right amount of salt. If you were to go eat steak and there was not a single amount of salt put onto it to season it right before it got cooked, it would be a bland piece of meat that would not have much flavor. But when you add salt to something, there is a chemical reaction that happens that actually enhances the natural flavors within. And those natural flavors allow you to uh, engage with what was actually in it. So what we say is you would add a pinch of salt to chocolate chip cookies so that you could taste the chocolate in that. And you would add salt to the gospel so that you could taste the gospel. Uh, the idea is not this attraction method, but how do we season it with technology so that we actually increase the effectiveness of the gospel, um, not dilute it with some sort of attractionist or marketing gimmick or something like that. Gosh, that is that is a, such a great analogy and an image like um, technology 
being a helpful tool in it, as you were saying, but it's not the meat, but it makes it can make things so much better. And I really want to go back to your the discussion about creativity. I love that because I always think about, you know, God's the creator and we are made in his image and we are growing to his likeness and we have all this creativity inside of us. And I, I would say probably on average, most people can't tap into that. So part of the mission that it sounds like you guys doing or allowing people to understand uh, the creativity that is there and uh, and let it be wide open, not in these boxes that sometimes it's being put into. And God can use us when we're open like that. He can He can draw new things. He can create new things. Um, and that sounds super exciting and like a blessing that there would be such a conference that's more than lights and sound, but really that place that you can experience more. Uh, Chuck, as someone who has uh, served at this conference and uh, been there over the years, how would you describe it, the environment or anything special about it? You know, the people I talk to that go to this conference, and I need to add that it's not just staff people, it's not paid staff and churches, there are many volunteers that go. In fact, I think your husband has been to a yes, conference. Yes, and, he loved uh, it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's really fun to to engage with them and get their reactions. There really is not another vehicle that connects people who do what they do. Uh, there, there's no real good network that they can go to and bounce ideas off of or or learn if this has been tried or if it works or whatever. And and so that building of community is a big, big boost for them because they need their batteries recharged just like a pastor does that's, you know, sometimes wondering, are they making an impact? And then on top of that, they get a chance to go to a worship service and Luke and his team put together a worship service that's just phenomenal. And they get to just worship and not have to worry about whether this mic's going to come on at the right time or the light lighting's going to be done, the video is going to feed right. They just worship. And I get a lot of positive feedback about how they feel blessed by being served and they come back more invigorated. So it's just really a neat thing to be part of. And it's fun for um, Luke's mom, my wife and I, Lori, just to serve them because they're serving us. We're involved in, as you know, in the church and, and uh, I get a chance to work with with some guys that are in in uh, Luke's community, I'm I'm leading a, a small group of the tech guys from Mount Pisgah. The, in fact, the one that edits is going to edit this podcast is in my uh, Tuesday morning group, and they're great people. And it, it's just a kind of neat thing to meet and interact with them um, in this conference. So, so thank you, Chuck, because you bring us to a good point. Our most of our listeners are disciple makers, or they're becoming disciple makers, or they're interested in building God's kingdom that way. And you just spoke about your group, and um, you, I know. F- about you, that you have a big heart for the next generation, for for young men, for helping them uh, find the Lord. And um, and I know that uh, Luke as well wants to use technology to build the kingdom. So can you guys talk just a little bit about, you know, how technology can build the kingdom, what you've seen work, how to reach the next generation, in, any tips like that? Well, I'll jump in first and just say that, um, you know, God created all things. And that means he created the Zoom call. And he created Google search. And, you know, we, we sometimes think that all I did was create earth in human form. And, and yet, you know, he's, he's in everything. And, and especially now, as we're going into this, as we went into this pandemic and we're still going to be in it for a while, frankly, I think it's the technology that's kept us connected in many ways. I mean, the, the discipleship group that I lead, we meet on Zoom and it, and it works we're able to still have that same meaningful dialogue, the life-changing experience, you know, talk about our walk, talk about our faith, study together, 
share prayers together. And then you go in the broader circle of the church. I mean, what church in the U.S. and probably worldwide, Luke can probably speak more to this, would have survived had it not been for this community serving and putting church online so people could continue to worship in a meaningful way. And so I think technology right now, at least in terms of its intersection with faith, is at a greater demand than ever. Yeah, I think what I would say, I mean, you're... I think that comment of, you know, what Paul writes in Colossians, that all things were made for Christ. I think that's such a valid point. And I think the thing I would say probably on a practical level, Beth, is that technology um, has actually removed so many barriers um, to reaching people. I think, um, I I think about the fact that technology uh, will, will likely accelerate or provide an opportunity to accelerate discipleship for the global church. and if we are hesitant to sort of adopt technology, then we're probably hindering the very um, purpose and calling before us as a global church. Um, it's going to remove those barriers because you now can meet with somebody who isn't in your same time zone. Or uh, I know for me, and part of, I think, the, the challenge in, in sort of being in the working class of 2020 is you've got twice as many meetings. They're just all over Zoom and they're back to back. Uh, and so you can actually fill your calendar, quote unquote, with more stuff from a pragmatic standpoint. But but what that also means is that the commitment level, the risk that it takes for someone to join a discipleship group is less. I know for me personally, uh, technology has allowed my wife and I to uh, join a small group. We changed churches actually here in Nashville during the pandemic. Not a great time, by the way, to be church shopping because you can't really go to different churches and uh, meet people and shake hands. And so we decided just to sort of commit to a church and join their small groups first before we ever went to one of their services. And it has met over Zoom two or three times because of possible exposures to COVID or whatnot. And technology has allowed us to not miss a beat. We're still staying um, connected to one another, abiding, praying, digging into the word. And I think technology has removed the barriers that prior to COVID, if we were in a pandemic, it wouldn't have allowed. And so I think there are people you can now reach in your community through technology, whether that be a podcast like this. People now have access to training, teaching, equipping, uh, and community in ways that they've never had before. And I think technology is only going to accelerate that. Yeah, I want to pick up on that because uh, it's not just because of COVID. I mean, um, I was going to make a comment about this podcast and how many people it reaches, including me. And I have just been so lifted up by the very many interviews and topics you've discussed, Beth, you and Mark Danzi. And I know it goes to people all over the world. You know, that wasn't around five years ago. And um, our ability, like Luke said, to reach people in distant locations. I mean, Jesus sent out his first um, the disciples two by two, town to town, and told them to dust, you know, shake the dust off their sandals if they weren't invited in the house. Well, we've got a very different model now that allows us to reach people. And just the access to information, I mean, not only the, the 419 Disciple Makers podcast, but you've got the 419disciplemakers.com that can get, or is it dot org? I'm sorry, dot org. Dot org. Mm-hmm. That, you can, that you can get access to so many resources that help us as we are not only uh, endeavoring to be effective disciples, but as disciple makers that are trying to train others to become disciple makers. So it's just a huge, it's a huge asset. It's a great tool that God's enabled us to use. And, and you just got to get some of the dinosaurs like me out of the way or get them trained so that we know how to do it more effectively. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is a tool. You do see how it's far reaching to places um, that it's never been before. And so tell, tell, um, 
tell us a little bit about, there are definitely some upsides. We just named those. And maybe you can think of some more. And then there also are some cautions with technology and discipleship. Would you guys unpack that a little bit for us? I mean, I'll I'll jump into the downside. I think it's um, something that our team thinks about a lot as a production company doing live events. Specifically, um, now we've pivoted to virtual. Um, the challenge that's before us is that the very platform. I'm going to just sort of use some productiony terms, but the stage in which you connect, um, which before used to be a coffee table at a Starbucks, right, or a, a couch in someone's house, or a dining room table. Uh, where you would break bread with other disciples and and go deep together. You're you're now that used to be the stage. Now that things are going virtual and technology is involved, the very stage, which is the Zoom call, the Facebook group, the text message, the FaceTime on your iPhone or whatever. Unfortunately, the stage is also your source of distraction. I mean, even while we've been on this call, I've seen two or three emails jump in. I've seen text messages pop up. I've seen pings and notifications. And so to go back to what my dad said about the fact that it, um, we have sort of an abundance of content, we have an abundance of knowledge and insight, that is uh, a two-edged sword. It uh, has both its pros and its cons because we now have death by content. We now have death by a surge of information. Uh, I mean, I'll just use the analogy of this. When was the last time you went to Netflix and spent more time trying to find what you wanted to watch rather than actually watching what you ended up watching? <laughs> Um, and I think that right there helps us understand that the, the downside is, is that you have to work twice as hard through technology to fight against distraction than you do, uh, when you're in person. I mean, it's really easy. I mean, here's an honest truth. Like when we have Bible study in person, one of the rules that our church has laid forth is remove technology. In fact, it is a rule. You're not allowed to turn on your phone or whatever. Well, now that things are virtual, we have to manage technology. Mm. And I put that in air quotes because you can't, again, I, I mean, I'm doing this call on my laptop. I can't stop all the pings and notifications. And so I think those, that's the downside because it's going to easily take you away from distraction. And I think being a person who struggles with ADHD, um, probably most of my generation, because we grew up with a thousand different distractions and probably has something to do with the fact that we watch too much TV growing up. But um, I think all that stuff is just going to get in our way and actually rob us of deep authority authentic conversation because we won't allow ourselves to focus long enough to get there. Yeah. It's funny because I was going to say uh, the focus, the lack of focus is a downside and Luke hit it really hard. The one thing I'm thinking about, and I'm probably the only person on this podcast or listening that's ever experienced this, but I may say, for example, go to my phone and say, I'm going to go listen to uh, Beth's interview with uh, Sandra Shaner and then as I open up my phone, I see I've gotten two emails and I look at those emails and then a couple of texts come in. And then pretty soon I turn my phone off and I can't even remember why I turned my phone on. Mm. And so you, you go down those rabbit trails and um, it is a distraction. Um, the other thing I would say, and Luke kind of address this about, you know, getting together, at, you know, somebody's kitchen table or something. There is something to be said about when, when you share a meal with someone or you, you get together in a uh, in a living room and maybe just have a pot of coffee or something that you're, there's a bonding that occurs that gets to a more intimate level, I think, than something over a, a computer screen. And and that has been lost. In fact, I'm hearing a lot, even in the secular world, that um, a lot of people who fell in love with this work at home concept because they were now getting all this saved time from a lack of a commute are now missing that face-to-face interaction. And uh, And I wonder sometimes if the technology causes a little less um, 
I don't know if it's because we're in the, you know, the social media generation, a little less confidence in the confidentiality of what you say and do. Mm. Whereas if I'm telling you something to your face, maybe I feel more comfortable that that's going to stay between us than if I, you know, say something or even post something in some sort of a, um, a device. So that's kind of the downside. I, I'm going to tell you the upside is, is the truth of the matter is I probably wouldn't be meeting with my guys um, if it wasn't for Zoom right now. Um, if we did, we'd be wearing masks. We'd be distracted by other things. And I know that's specific to this. I love the fact it's not location specific. There have been times when we've been meeting and I've been on trips and some of the guys in my group have, and I'm always amazed at the guy that goes out on the West coast. Cause we now meet at six in the morning and he's getting up at three in the morning to meet with us. And that's just such a, a, a symbolic act of, of devotion to the group that if he was there and we were meeting face to face, he wouldn't be in the group. He wouldn't be in the call. And, and that's the greatest convenience. I think you also have access to a lot more information, the whole concept of, of document sharing, of, of go look at this and, and you can get readily um, accessible. You know, we do memory verses in our, in our group and we always tease each other about, now you reading that off your screen or did you really memorize that verse? <laughs> so, so there are a lot of advantages to technology. And I think overall it's a plus to me. And I'm just glad that we've been able to bridge this unusual set of times that we're in right now through the use of some of this uh, technical capability. I'll jump in, Beth, and I'll, I'll sort of say it this way because I think my dad sort of danced around this topic, but I, I'm a huge believer that proximity is not required for connection. And maybe that's because I've been in technology my whole life, but I think um, I don't have to sit next to you to be able to connect with you. And I do think there is something to be said about a visual connection. Uh, I think um, there's a reason that Zoom and their usage has exploded because I think there's something about my desire to see your face and the way that we can communicate outside of just uh, auditory manner. But I do think that um, we also live in a day and age where, because, I mean, my dad grew up uh, working in the cable industry and he can talk specifically about the pivots and changes that happened uh, in the cable industry over the last decade where everything is going to on demand. You get to watch at your own time. You don't have to constantly sit down. If you want to watch the show, This Is Us, uh, you don't, a perfect example. Last night, I got a text message from a guy who said, hey, are you watching the Country Music Awards on ABC? I said, I don't have cable. I'll watch it tomorrow when it's on Hulu, you know, or wherever it shows up. And I almost I think, texted you, Luke, to ask you if you're watching it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that right there is a perfect analogy that anybody listening to this is going to resonate with the fact that my schedule isn't concrete. I mean, we're seeing statistics over and over and over that attendance in church prior to COVID was going from on average three to four Sundays a month to one to two Sundays a month. And I think now that COVID's done or COVID has hit us and everything has moved to online, when we do return to the vast majority of churches being in person, I think we're going to see families attending once, maybe less than once a month on average, because that flexibility of knowing, oh, I know I can get a you know quality access to the stream online. And so I think we're, we're understanding that technology is actually allowing us flexibility. And so what he spoke about, the idea of just because somebody's gone doesn't mean I can't still be involved. That's the blessing of technology. Mm -hmm. The blessing is we still get to be connected. Proximity doesn't have to be the, uh, the requirement or prerequisite for connectivity. But we have to be willing to, to do, I think, two main things. Number one, I think we have to be willing to learn things that are not normal. And I think, you know, my dad spoke to that a little bit of like, I think the older generation, and I'll just say this very bluntly, 
the older generation has to understand that they may need to try something that is not comfortable for them. And the younger generation, and I'll say this to my community, they need to be patient to understand that they need to help the older generation because those two things, um, you're, you're teaching something that is like breathing to you, but the older generation, that is not normal for them. That, you know, I remember, um, my dad and I have laughed about this, but my grandfather who passed away last year uh, was probably the most tech savvy of all of us, but it's because he had this undying curiosity to always know new gadgets and all this sort of stuff, but he was an anomaly outside of that. I mean, it's just not normal that you would understand iPhones and Apple watches and zoom and all this sort of stuff. So the younger generation, we need to rise up and we need to understand that it's our calling to say, Hey, let's come alongside and not let proximity be that requirement. And let's help other generations wrestle through things that are just so normal to us, like checking Wi-Fi, closing down other things, pausing Dropbox, whatever those things are to get internet connection a little bit better. We've got to have a little bit more patience. And I think the other generation has to also understand humility. Yeah, I need to ask for help. And we have to understand as a younger generation, that's a big risk for them to say, hey, I need help because that's not comfortable for them either. You know? Hey, Luke, the next time I have a technical question, can I rephrase what you just said about being patient with me? Yeah, and I've told you that this COVID has caused me I have to be more patient because uh, well, we take for granted our I, knowledge sometimes. I'll tell you one quick story, though. You know, I'll call Luke and say, hey, Luke, how do I do this? And he says, Dad, do you have Google? Just write out what you just asked me. How do I? And then finish the sentence and then hit send and see what kind of answers you get. I, I get it. And um, I think I fall somewhere in between your two ages. And I still, um, I have a friend who said this to me and I use it all the time. But um, one day I might be the Amish of Alpharetta if I don't learn to keep up because um, it changes so fast and you have to be willing to explore. And a good thing I have a husband who is uh, tech interested and always curious and it, it, I have to ask him questions. Though I do think there might be a superpower that tech people have. Like literally, they can just come stand next to you and it works. I don't even know. They don't even touch anything and it works. So there's something uh, definitely spiritual about that. Um, hey, before we leave the whole uh, good uh, benefits and risk, I wanted to just tap on something that I hear a lot in, in this day and age with technology, that we have more connectedness than ever before, and yet we have more loneliness than ever before. And I really think that lends itself to the need for discipleship. That that, and I hear this too. That that the younger generation is looking for authenticity. They're looking for depth. They're not looking for one more thing to do. They're looking for something that's different than everything else they do. Either one of you have any insights or comments about that? Yeah, I'll speak to. I think uh, being a millennial, <clears throat> and I think the reason that we crave authenticity is that we live in a world where Though we are immersed in social media and reality television and people who are influencers and everybody is an expert in whatever they are, I think um, to use sort of a, a sort of oxymoron, it's a real fake. Uh, we're living in a reality of a bunch of fake stuff. Uh, we have an identity crisis. I can be a completely different persona online than I can be around my friends. In fact, I had a youth pastor that I worked with here in Nashville who used to say the art of maturity in the next generation 
is helping understand that there are four quadrants they live in. They live in the weekend personality, the social media personality, the family personality, and the school personality. And the art of maturity is bringing all four of those together so that they're the same whole person in all four quadrants of their life. And I think that that right there gives a little bit of appearing into the fact that my generation is so used to, I can open up my phone and I can find the perfect picture and edit it just right so that my Instagram looks so beautiful and perfect. But the truth of the matter is I didn't post the fact that, you know, dinner was awful last night and the dishes are still in the sink or X, Y, Z didn't work out the way that I want because we get to control the story we put out in the world. So I think what we're craving is we want to get around a Zoom conversation where we can say, hey, hey guys, honestly, this week has sucked. And can I just say I need help and I need a reminder that um, even though the whole world seems to be coming to an end uh, from a cultural standpoint, Jesus is still on his throne. Uh, I mean, I think we need to be able to be real because we live in a world of real fakes, if that makes any sense. And I think we need to, we're, we're so desperate to exchange a real fake for real reels. And, and I think discipleship provides an opportunity. And I'm going to just say this. I think, the, I think the global and local church provides an opportunity that no other organization in the entire world has to be authentic and to be real and to provide a welcoming place where people get to be seen regardless of what they believe or, or, or the lifestyle they have or whatever. And I think we have an opportunity to do what Jesus said, and that was love all people for who they are, not because of what they do or what they believe. Yeah, I'll add uh, to that, Beth, saying I absolutely agree with what you said. I think there's absolute truth in the fact that uh, sometimes in a, in a world of technology, we stand behind the screen or we hide behind the wall that we can fire an email or a text uh, and, and we, we've lost any sort of personal touch. Um, I used to say when I was working um, in business that if you have something good to say to somebody, write it down, copy a lot of people with it. If you have something that's uh, not good to say, if it's a criti- criticism or there's a conflict you need to address, go speak to the person face to face. And I, I think that's true even as we disciple that I think we're dealing with people who, who are dealing with messy lives and they've got issues that they need to have an authentic conversation with a caring person who will listen to them and give them wisdom. And I think sometimes that's easier to do person to person where you can end it with a hug or you can pray together, holding hands or being knee to knee. And, and that's, that sort of connection, I think, is still critical now and has been for, for the entire existence of mankind. So um, I think there's elements true that. Now, that, that goes back to Technology is not the end. It's a tool. It's a, it's, a, it's a weapon in our arsenal, an arrow in our quiver, if you will, that we can use and use it effectively, but it's not the end all. Mm, it's tough. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I was just thinking about as you were saying that, Dad, is I think we also live in a day and age where <clears throat> every single human has a platform, whether it's a real platform or a perceived platform. I know, Dad, you and I have laughed about the fact that a while back, you had an issue with a company and I forget who the company was. And I said, oh, hang on. And I got on Twitter and I basically made some comment and you got a response like within a few minutes. I don't remember what company that was, but do you remember that story? I do, but I'm not going to say the company name for they may be have people that are listening to the yeah, podcast. <laughs> but um, I think that was a perfect example of my, my, my generation is very aware that we all have a platform. And if I speak loudly or broadcast and I tag the right people, I can use public opinion to sort of hurt your, your image. And, and we've 
created a very reactionary world. But what I don't think we live in is a culture that listens well, because everybody feels like they've got a Facebook channel, a Twitter channel, an Instagram, a blog, whatever. Um, I think we are desperate for people who actually want real community. And so I think even though we have this falsehood of being connected and having followers, I mean, my wife laughs at me all the time because my joke is, oh yeah, my friend. And she goes, I have never heard his name and we've known each other for four years. And I'll be like, no, 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 he really is a friend. But I think she helps me understand that like, okay, they're a colleague or an acquaintance. And obviously I work in, I've lived in Nashville for 15 years and uh, this town is known for sort of like, you know, fake friendships that, you know, you're only a really a friend so that I can get to where I want to go. But I think we live in a world where, where there's a lot of connection, but there's not a lot of authenticity. And I think that goes back to why we may feel connected when we look at our stats or our analytics of who's in our wheelhouse or who's on our Twitter or social media things. But when we get to who knows us, who could I really open up with and feel safe and feel welcomed and feel loved? I think that that is what my generation is desperate for. And we're willing to actually exchange text, not technology to go back to my dad's point with his group um, to, to actually pull back the curtain and say, we know that through technology, we can manipulate any environment we want to look the way we want it. So we actually need something far more real mm. as we step in. Which is the reason we need discipleship. We we need mm. uh, the one generation speaking into the other and creating those safe spaces for people to be real. So, uh, wow, this has been so good. I have learned a lot and uh, just enjoyed our time together. Um, hey, Luke, I, Chuck mentioned uh, books, books plural, I believe. Uh, can, any any uh Thing you want to share? Could you tell us a little bit about the books you have? Yeah, the the book that he mentioned, uh, which kind of tells my story, um, uh, my personal faith story, as well as my story of stepping into my calling, is a book called Creative Potential: Unleashing Your God Given Calling in Life, and um, or Principles for Unleashing Your God Given. Basically, it's just me telling the story of what does it look like um, when you feel like you have a call on your life, or God calls you into something, and what I share is the various roadblocks that I hit as I started stepping into that calling and what um, God was teaching me as I learned that he really is calling us to who we are, not what we do. And I think so often everybody in, that's listening to this probably feels that tension that there's this balance between doing and being. And it's far more about a journey than where we end up. And uh, so anyway, that's my um, book. And then it walks through what I believe are the four biblical sort of um, pillars or, or sort of mile markers in scripture that show the role of creativity and how we can step into a more creative uh, realm. And I think everybody's creative. I think we were made in the image of God. And if, as I said earlier, it's the first characteristic of God you read in scripture. Uh, so I think everybody is inherently creative. It's just a matter of how you see that creativity and whether or not you um, recognize it the same way. So that's available. You can go get that um, either at lukemacroy.com or on Amazon, where books are sold. And then I just recently put out a brand new book uh, that I co-wrote with a friend called The Production Dictionary. It's actually not um, around church at all, but uh, it was written to essentially try and say, hey, um, if you're stepping into the realm of production, theater, live events, uh, video, whatever it may be, um, you may want a quick reference guide to go, what is a gaffer or uh, what is grip uh, or uh, X, Y, Z? Uh, what is a haze machine? And so we basically took 600 plus terms and tried to define them. And there's some pictures and images along the way. So I think I need that book. I still don't know what the thing is that you asked for when you were a kid, the pants or something. The park hand. Yeah. <laughs> I still don't know what that is. <laughs> and and I'll say this. 
Go ahead. What were you going to say, Dan? I said, we play games as a family, and I decided when everybody comes at Christmas, there's a game called the Dictionary Game, where you have a word nobody knows what it means, everybody writes their own definition, and you have to choose the right one. We're actually going to use the Production Dictionary and we're going to see how these terms people have no idea what it means. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and my favorite line, Beth, uh, my dad, I've written a bunch of books. Uh, the Production Dictionary is the fourth book, but Creative Potential is the third. And um, we ended up uh, posting this on a postcard, I think, for everybody at the SALT community last year. But I gave it to my dad and, and, and his quote or comment back to me, Beth, was, well, this book is actually good. And I, I laughed because I was like, dad, were the first two not? And he said, well, they were good. They just didn't speak to me like this one did. Oh, I gotcha. <laughs> well, that's our my time backhanded is, encouragement. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Our time is coming to an end. Uh, this has just been a joy. Do you guys have any last bit of encouragement for our listeners, for those who are making disciples or wanting to make disciples and using technology? Hey, press on, just keep going at it. And even in the midst of all the craziness and the distancing and wearing masks and, and, and being, being safe. Um, it still is an opportunity for you to carry out what God's call is on our lives. Jesus called us to go make disciples. And he didn't say only when you don't have a pandemic. I mean, that, that call is there for all of us all the time, because my experience has been that no matter what you do in life, there is nothing more rewarding than making an eternal difference in the life of somebody else and being an agent for the Holy Spirit and God to enter into someone's heart and cause them to know the love of God. And, and I, I would say, use your technology, use all the tools that are out there for you and go do it. Yeah. And I would just say <clears throat> to those who are younger or those who have a knack for technology and creativity, um, what, what I say to a lot of people who I get a chance to work with in the church is read the story of Esther. And understand that Esther's um, positional influence um, was for such a time as this to save a whole community. And I think we're living in a day that is more technologically um, uh, adept and uh, there's more creativity and content um, that, you know, has ever existed. And I think what I would say is those who know creativity, know technology well, God may have you in exact the position for such a time as this to leverage that technology to reach more disciples and help train and equip those above you uh, ministerially and those a little bit behind you to create a bridge between generations so that the entire world can get to know Jesus. Amen to that. Oh, this is good. Uh, everybody share this podcast. If you know somebody who is at home with COVID saying there's nothing they can do uh, right now in this time, please share this podcast with them. And anybody else you know that would enjoy listening to this and go out to the website. It is uh, 419disciplemakers.org. We would love to connect with you. Send us an email, follow up with us, get in touch with, in touch with Luke um, on his website. And uh, just God bless you guys. Keep doing that work. We're grateful for you. We're grateful for all you're doing and technology can be a part of it. See you next time. Thanks, Beth. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org.